What's going on, people? Welcome to the Hows and Growls Show. I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of this podcast and the Hows and Growls Timberwolves newsletter. If you're a reader of Timberwolves content as well as a listener, please consider heading over to howsandgrowls.substack.com or punch the name of this show, Hows and Growls, into the Google search bar and you should find the newsletter there. Over at the site, we're doing a lot of unique and exciting stuff over the off-season, including deep dives into the machinations of the season just gone and the season's upcoming. We're doing some draft content in the coming weeks. And of course, we're doing a load of free agency stuff as we build into the thickness of this off-season. You can sign up for a free subscription, which will allow you to have a sneak peek at the content and hopefully... That will convince you to shell out just $2.50 per month to access what I think is the best written Timberwolves content around. It's less than a cup of coffee and it allows me to keep doing this as a job and it allows this new version of the podcast to be ad-free and running smoothly. So please consider it if you have the means. It really does make a huge difference for such a small amount of your hard-earned money. As you can probably tell, Today's show will be a solo one. Obviously, we will be doing the crossover shows with Cooper Carlson. We'll be re-establishing some number crunch episodes when the need arises throughout the summer and into next season. And there are a few guests out there that I'm trying to wrangle and, and line up a little bit more often. I'm not going to put a number on the amount of shows we'll be pumping out, especially in the off-season where it can be quite long stretches without new things to talk about. And it's always hard with the obvious Australian slash American time zone differences to get those guests and line them up with each other's schedules. But if we can get some House and Grouse subscriptions and we can get this channel up and about, then I'm certainly looking to commit a lot of time and a lot of effort into this podcast for the off-season and into next season. But today, I am on my lonesome and that means I just want to talk about some of the Timberwolves off-season motives and options and overall plans from my point of view. In the last episode of this podcast and the first episode on this new podcast channel, uh, Cooper and I discussed the Tim Connolly to Washington rumors and then went pretty deep on trading one or both of the big men. So jump over to that episode and have a listen to my opinions on that if that's something you're looking for. Obviously, we now know that Connolly is definitively staying with the Timberwolves after the Wizards hired Michael Winger from the Clippers to lead their front office, which could either be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on what side of the fence you fall on. And outside of that, we're going to operate under the assumption for this episode that the Timberwolves more or less run it back with regards to their core players. Obviously, Conley in the front office and Chris Finch as the man moving the chess pieces from the sideline. And I think it's important to note that operating under that run-it-back guideline is prudent because that's really likely what the Timberwolves will do. There are arguments, I think, that swing both ways of that, and I think there are good arguments on both sides. But if we're reading the tea leaves from the exit interviews and just the way Finch and Connolly and everybody around the team seems to be acting... I think it's a reasonably safe bet to assume the Wolves are going to run it back with just the minor changes around the fringe of their roster. Because Minnesota aren't operating as a team who are going to splash cash for a free agent, and they aren't operating as a team that currently has a first-round draft pick, they're pretty severely limited in what kind of 
flair they can sprinkle into those on-the-margin moves. But still, I think there are three sections worth it, worth breaking up and exploring over this offseason. I'm sure they, they will be explored within an inch of their lives over the long months without any Timberwolves basketball. But I want to at least pontificate on them here for a bit. The first box that needs checking is the retaining or the letting go of Minnesota's own free agents. That's what I'm going to focus on in this episode. Now, the Wolves potentially have a rather long list of free agents, but in many ways not a massive list of significant free agents that they can either bring back to their team or let go of their team. Guys who who aren't coming from other teams, guys who aren't coming in free agency, players who aren't coming in the drafts. That's what I want to focus on in this episode. And, But yeah, I think there are a lot of players who are on this list, maybe some, definitely, some more important than others, but there are quite a a little laundry list to get through here. So I just want to kind of trawl through it and, and have a look at these players and, and kind of work some things out for myself and hopefully for you guys who are listening. Austin Rivers is the first guy I'm going to start with, alphabetical order. He'll be an unrestricted free agent and free to sign with any team without stipulations. The same goes for Jalen Noel, who's really, really poor season. Actually makes for a really, really interesting free agency period for him. Nate Knight has a team option, which allows the team to guarantee him for another season, or if they decline that team option, allows Knight to become an unrestricted free agent as well. There's probably some fairly inconsequential arguments to be made about whether or not the Wolves should bring back Nate Knight, especially considering that that team option for next season is only worth $1.97 and this team is kind of barreling toward a cap crunch and maybe having young young or young-ish guys on the roster who can play multiple roles, who can do multiple things and can still potentially grow into becoming a better player is worth having around at a cheap price and kind of hopefully you can avoid paying someone the mid-level exception in two years if Nate Knight works out. I do think that is unlikely, but I think it is worth thinking about if you're the team and I'm sure they are thinking about it and they have that team option so he can't leave them willingly he has to be told by them that they will be that he'll be out the door so that's it's a good deal for Minnesota I think they'll probably decline it if I just had to hazard a guess but it is a good option to have on the other side I think I'd be pretty confident in saying Noel and Rivers are both destined for other teams if they are destined for any team in the NBA at all next season. That will be interesting to, to watch as free agency unfurls. They also have the two-way contract players in Matt Ryan and Luca Garza. When a two-way contract expires at the end of the season, they immediately get converted into restricted free agent contracts. And that means the Wolves will be able to obviously offer their own deals to either of those players should they see fit to do so. But they also have the option to match any deal that another team in the NBA puts in front of a restricted free agent. So if the Miami Heat want to sign Luka Garza to a four-year, $20 million contract, which would be ludicrous, obviously, um, then Minnesota can match that deal. I think they have two or three days to match it. If you're asking me, I think if you're asking most Timberwolves fans, I don't want to speak to everyone here, but I think... Bringing Ryan, Matt Ryan in as a 
break glass in case of emergency shooter wasn't a bad idea, but I'd be very surprised if he's back again next season. I think like Rivers and like Noel, you can probably close the case on the Matt Ryan experiment and move on to someone else. It's not hard to find guys who can shoot around 38%, 40% from three and do nothing else in the league. It's not hard to find guys like Jalen Noel who can who can be a bucket off the bench but do nothing else. And it's not hard to find, you know, good veterans. It's probably a little bit harder to find good veterans around the league who are willing to, you know, be that team first guy and, and that guy who doesn't care about stats and that guy who doesn't care about playing time. But they are around and Austin Rivers seems like he's not the kind of guy who's going to be looking to never play any minutes again. And I think that his time as a rotation player, at least for this Minnesota Timberwolves team, is over. The last guy there is Luka Garza, and I think his situation is actually quite intriguing. I think the big bumbling bundle of joy really became a cult hero pretty quickly last season, and while he is clearly very limited in a number of ways, and and those number of ways prevent him from being a legitimate rotation guy on a winning team, I think he showed enough to hang around in the lead or with the Timberwolves as a third big man who has a pretty peculiar but effective skill set in certain situations. Clearly for any contract that extends past a minimum contract, it's clearly a no-go. But as a fan, I'd be interested in bringing Gaza back as a low-cost third or maybe on this team a fourth big man. We saw this season how quickly those end of bench guys can become legitimate options due to injuries or guys out of form or more injuries or another injury or this injury or that injury. This this is the kind of guy who can come in and at least give you semi-effective minutes in weird situations where guys are injured and against certain teams we saw Gaza have some really fun and really good nights so having some continuity with Gaza as that guy in that role who might who seems to be pretty happy in that role and doesn't seem to have a huge market around the league as someone who's going to get a nice contract that Minnesota has to match um, seems like a prudent idea I think that if you're looking to fill out the really far fringes of the rotation, or not even the rotation of the roster, then Gaza is the kind of guy that makes sense on a minimum deal. I would like to see him back. But really that stuff is just small potatoes in terms of Minnesota's own free agent. The meat on the plate is Nas Reed and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Now, I'm not going to profess to be a really nerdy cap sheet guy. There are certainly better people out there to listen to when it comes to Minnesota's cap crunch and the finer details of that cap crunch. But I think by now, the common knowledge and sentiment is the important one. The Wolves are running out of money. They are running out of money to spend. They are going to get pretty heavily penalised by the new collective bargaining agreement when that kicks in. And that is coming. I don't think it's something Minnesota can can kind of just waltz along pretending isn't happening. I don't think it's something the fans can waltz along pretending isn't going to happen. Carl Denny Towns' huge extension hasn't even kicked in yet. 
but it's looming and it's lurking and it's the darkest cloud hanging over this franchise right now. In some ways, that is a knock on Tal Anthony Towns as a player, but that's not... I don't say that as a knock on Tal Anthony Towns as a player. It's just the fact it is a massive super contract. It's a super max contract, which makes more sense if I say it like that. And it's a long contract, and it hasn't even... As I said earlier, it hasn't even kicked in yet. And this collective bargaining agreement is really going to start forcing the Timberwolves to pinch a lot of pennies and Towns', is going to, Towns contract is going to be the reason that is happening. Rudy Bear's contract extension, that kicked in years ago, unlike Towns, but he's still owed $41 million next season, uh, this season, $44 million the next season, and close to $47 million in the 2025-26 season. We know that Anthony Edwards is extremely likely to sign a five-year deal worth over $200 million total this summer, and we can pretty reasonably assume that Jaden McDaniels is going to get close to $25 million a year over four, or more likely five years this summer as well. Now, none of that technically impedes the Wolves' ability to re-sign Nas Reed and Alexander Walker. Obviously, the money still goes into the cap sheet, but the Wolves have both of those players' bird rights, and that means they can re-sign them in a way they couldn't with a free agent who had spent this past season with another team. So while they need to assess their money situation, they need to assess this too big thing, they need to assess all the money they are dumping into their core players, that doesn't mean they they don't have any money this summer to re-sign Nas Reed to whatever they technically want and re-sign Nikhil Alexander-Walker to whatever they technically want. It just means that that money is going to go into the cap sheet and going to force them into different types of deals or different types of salary dumps or different types of maneuvers down the line or whenever they decide to address this cap sheet situation with Towns, with Gobert, with Edwards and with McDaniels, who are the four players who are going to be taking up a lot of their cap space over the next five or so years. So let's get Nikhil Alexander out the way first. I think that's less of a head-scratcher for us fans, for the organization, for everyone involved. We saw what Alexander Walker could do in spurts after he arrived, and we certainly saw what he could do in the playoffs against Jamal Murray and the red-hot Denver Nuggets. He falls under that restricted free agent umbrella that I was talking about earlier, where the Wolves can match any deal that gets offered to him, and I expect them to do so unless that deal becomes pretty crazily exorbitant. If I'm playing mock GM, which I'm trying to now, and again, I don't profess to be a GM or to be smarter than Tim Connolly or to know all these things, that all the minutia of the salary cap, but I think for me, I'm probably starting with a four to six million dollar a year deal for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and that'll be ranging over a few seasons, maybe even over four seasons. And I think I'm willing to go up to eight or nine million a year at the very, very top of the scale. To me, that seems like an easy situation. You get it done unless someone gives Nikhil Alexander Walker the full mid level exception, which will be around twelve and a half million dollars a year. Um I think he's a pretty easy guy to take back. He's likable. He he has a skill set that's very NBA ready. He's got potential to be better than what he is right now. And he's the same age and the same 
time frame as Edwards and McDaniels and the rest of the young guys on the roster. Nas Reed's situation, on the other hand, is not an easy one. By now, we kind of know the facts on Nas. He's an unrestricted free agent, which means he can sign for any team without stipulations. He's the third big in a team who are contractually overcommitted to two big men. And he proved this season that he is a uniquely talented player who fits not only age-wise and style-wise, but I think fits the mentality of a Chris Finch team and obviously fits that timeline of Edwards and McDaniels and the team that they are going to be a centerpiece of as well. I don't even know what to make of this Nas situation, if I'm being honest. I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. I think any team worth their salt would see his progress as a player over the last few years in terms of play style, in terms of efficiency, in terms of uh, body type, in terms of adding skills and seeing those skills work out on an NBA stage, and also in terms of having skills that are just strangely unique for his size. They see his age, they see that way that he plays, and any team worth their salt just commit to re-signing him. That means they commit to re-signing him for $10 million. It means they commit to re-signing him for $15 million. And honestly, I think it means they commit to re-signing him for $20 million. Maybe some of those numbers are overpays. And anyone who's listened to me in the past knows that I'm certainly a person who sees the foibles in Nas Reed's game and understands that he isn't the infallible young stud that many like to make him out to be. But the fact is that that's what he could and probably will command on the open market. And good teams usually keep good young talent. That's just how you build a roster, especially when you're in a market like Minnesota. But most teams don't have Carl Anthony Towns on a huge contract, and they don't have Rudy Gobert on a huge contract, who both play the one-and-a-half positions that Nasri can play. And they don't. most teams don't have the obvious obligation to play both of those guys a ton of minutes. Most teams don't have the collective bargaining agreement bearing down on them like a ton of bricks without any tangible playoff success to show for that money crunch. Most teams are in a much better salary cap shape than the Timberwolves. And still, I sit here after pondering this Nas situation over and over and trying to come to different conclusions that would make sense in every different branch of the tree. My personal conclusion is that the Wolves should pay and maybe even overpay for Nas Reed. And I say that for a few reasons. The first is the cold hard fact that Gobert or Towns or both are going to have to be traded by the time the 2024-2025 season comes around. The salary cap just demands that. They can fit those three guys in the in the equation, uh, those two guys along with Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels, but they will have no money to re- fill out their roster. They will get docked half, at least half of their uh, mid-level exception, it will go down to the taxpayers' mid-level exception. Their first-round picks will be impacted. Their trading will be impacted in the in the ways that they can take back salary, and other things will be impacted because they are over that second apron 
of the tax and that's what the new collective bargaining agreement does. Again, I'm not totally across this. It's very confusing. I'm trying to dumb it down for myself as much as I'm trying to dumb it down for anybody listening. But the fact is that one of those players or both of those guys, Towns and Gobert, are going to be traded after next season at the very latest. If that is the case, and again, I think it definitely is the case, the Nas Reed is an ever-growing big man who is who is on their timeline age-wise, the timeline of Jaden, Ant, Nikhil, the young guys, and he's culturally an exceptional insurance policy. Secondly, his contract, whether it's 15 million or 18 million or even 20 million, should be a tradable asset in the future. If Reed is given the role and keeps improving in the same or similar way that he has so far in his career, that contract is going to be not only worth it, it might even be a bargain, especially with the way players are getting paid these days and the rate of knots that Nas has improved over the past three seasons. In the worst case scenario, which is that he stagnates or even regresses as a player, it's still going to be a movable contract. We see it year after year after year. Those contracts between the mid-level and the max are used to grease the wheels of bigger deals. They're used as throw-ins or they're used as salary matches or just contracts that teams can convince themselves on taking on without the worry that it will cripple them financially. To me, you give Reed what he wants and you even dangle the carrot of a few extra shiny dollars on top of that. Whether that's because Towns or Gobert are moved this summer or it's because they're moved during the season or it's because they're moved next summer, having Reed there is a must, again, as that insurance policy. I'm not saying that Nas Reed is better than Cat. Definitely not. I'm not saying that he's better than Rudy Gobert. In some ways, yes, but in general, definitely not. The thing is that one of those guys are going to have to be moved and the options avenues open up so much more when you're looking to move one of those guys without having to get back a center who can play genuine minutes, even if it's a guy who can only play 28 minutes a game before he becomes a little bit you know, less valuable, which I think Reed might be one of those guys. But it just opens up those avenues so much more to be able to go and get a wing or go and get a point guard or move it for multiple players or multiple picks without having to say, hey, we still need a center because we've got two centers and they both need to be moved or they both you know, are declining or Towns needs to be moved and Gobert is declining or Gobert needs to be moved and Towns can't play center all the time. He, he's a power forward now. I don't know what I'm saying is that Nas Reed is that perfect insurance policy for all of those situations. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying he will ever be on the level of those all-star and all-NBA players. Like I said earlier, I've often been staunchly on the pessimistic side of Nas's game. But the fact is that as the season went on, he became an integral part of what Minnesota's identity was. And it was due to the the way that he plays and what he can do with the ball in his hands, and the fact that he was willing to come off the bench and be a high-impact bench guy without complaint. And it might be that Minnesota needs to dangle that financial carrot to even keep Reed at all. Because despite all of those reasons I've laid out, 
it's still very likely that Reed just doesn't want to come back. Maybe he doesn't want to wait for this cap sheet situation to break his way. Maybe he doesn't want to spend another minute as a bench player. There's teams out there that are going to offer him good money and probably going to offer him a starting role. Are those teams going to be better than Minnesota? Probably not. But maybe he's at the stage of his career that he just wants to play basketball, play a lot of minutes, and get paid pretty well for doing so. And on the other side of things, maybe he wants to play for a team that has a better chance of winning it all next season. Maybe that means that he's not getting paid as much as he would in some cases with Minnesota, but maybe it's a team like the Lakers or the Warriors or the Heat or the Bucks. You know, all of these teams have a use for Nas Reed because he's the kind of player, well, he proved this season that he is the kind of player that can fit into a lot of different schemes and a lot of different systems and be a really good option off the bench and be a starter in some situations as well. So all of those things are working against the Timberwolves. What myself and I think we as fans and maybe even the Timberwolves organization wants means nothing at the end of the day if Reed wants a change of scenery. He can do what he wants as an unrestricted free agent. Free agent. That's the consequences for the Timberwolves not being able to agree on an extension with Nas over the past 18 months. That's why reportedly they have been working on an extension but obviously they've kind of hit a few forks in that road and a few snags and they haven't been able to to sort something out. Because they haven't been able to sort something out, they are now at the whim, at the mercy of Nas Reed, and it's going to be really interesting to see whether they try and overpay to keep him, whether he believes in this system that Finch and Connolly are building, whether he believes that the cap crunch is going to break his way at some point and he's going to become a starter here in Minnesota, or whether he believes that his time is done with Minnesota and that he had a run, he used, you know, this these first few years of his season as a springboard to go and do better and bigger things with another team. And that's what the Wolves are faced with right now. They're faced with an interesting margin move in Luka Gaza, a should-be straightforward lockup of a really promising young player in Akil Alexander-Walker, and a genuine arm wrestle with Nas Reed that I think could stretch on for an uncomfortably long time. Next time around, I'll dive deeper into some draft options for the Wolves with their 53rd pick. I'm really looking forward to to diving deeper into some of that stuff. And I'll get around to some free agents from other teams that should be looking to sign with the mid-level exception in a near future episode as well. For now... I ask again to head over to houseandgrouse.substack.com to check out what is going on over there. Please rate and review this new podcast platform to help spread the word, and I'll see you all next time.